Welcome, everyone, to episode two of the Wild Will Throwdown. My name is Will Greenwell, and man, what a week. The first episode of the Wild Will Throwdown took off pretty well. Very excited for some of the feedback we saw and heard. It's very good to see in that, indeed, that we're trying to deliver more of short track racing in the area to a lot more people. So today's show is going to be a great one, as we're going to look at some results from the past weekend, which some tracks opened up at the end of March, on March 26th. Some tracks delayed March 27th, but this weekend we're going to also at the end preview some upcoming schedules as a lot of tracks usually have the opening season at the beginning of April. We'll see a lot of that this weekend. Hopefully Mother Nature works out for us. But first we're going to talk about some of the results and then of course our interview today will come from Hawk Harold Adams of Race 8. and We'll talk about his front wheel drive program, what he has done for front wheel drive, some information on his t-shirt which is always popular. So we're excited to have Mr. Hawk Harold Adams on today's show. But first let's look at some results from over the weekend. We'll start with the National Touring Series from NASCAR. Of course they were at the Circuit of Americas, the first road course of the 2022 campaign. Zane Smith in the NASCAR KP World Truck Series picks up the win with a thrilling finish coming to the checkered flag. A couple more turns left. He was running fourth at the time. Dive bombs in the inside. All three trucks go to the outside. Kyle Busch got pinched up as well, and Zane Smith took the checkered flag, so great for that young man. Looking at the other touring series, the Xfinity Series, A.J. Allmendinger, who almost picked up Sunday's win, uh, but A.J. Allmendinger, excuse me, he is a pretty famed um, road course racer, and he is on, good on all the road courses, whether it's Sonoma or Watkins Glen, and of course, in this case, at Circuit of Americas. Now, the Cup Series on Sunday afternoon was no short of a thriller, as we've seen Ross Chastain, A.J. Allmendinger, and Alex Bowman for Hendrick Motorsports battle for that number one spot. But all in the end, as he got tapped a little bit, he delivered back. Ross Chastain picks up his first win and delivers the first win for Trackhouse Racing. So awesome to see that as well. Some other racing that went on in the Midwest areas, my buddy up at uh, Painesville Speedway and Lorraine Raceway Park, they had the six-hour Escape Enduro, which is pretty huge up there. The Enduros seem to take off. So, yes, and what a thrilling way. Six hours in a team format. Finishing third was Ty Johnson and Travis Johnson in the number eight. Uh, they were in the top ten all day long, just kept their nose clean. Ty is the son of maybe 16-year-old or so, is what Randy was telling me. Travis is the dad. Uh, so that's huge. Uh, their background a little bit. They ran the Great American Enduro, and I believe it was the first time then for them. So great to see them with a third-place finish. Second-place runner-up, Dan Herod and Kyle Rector in the number zero. So that was pretty cool as well. Heron actually won the Blue Chip 200 Enduro at Lorraine in June of last year. Rector won the Great American Enduro earlier this month. I had the pleasure of calling that one as well up there. So always good to see my friends up north in the Enduro. But all in the end, it was Sam Bingham and Christian Bailey, excuse me, Christian Bailey, number 60. Bingham ran the first and third segment, Bailey in the second, kind of a team format. Uh, Bailey didn't do too good. They're losing about six laps or so to leader Heron, but Bingham was an absolute tear. Uh, Bingham races modifieds, traveling Ohio and surrounding states, and Bailey is a modified driver as well, just now starting out. So good to see that as they picked up the win up at Lorraine Raceway Park for the Escape Six Hour Enduro. And of course, down at Bristol Motor Speedway, Looking at that weekend, night 150,000 win in the Bristol Dirt Nationals from XR Plus. Chris Smokey Madden, usually a World of Outlaw regular, but this year, big news coming out of that stable. 
electing not to run the World of Outlaws series, so kind of chasing the money, if you will. A lot of drivers are. A big sum on the line this year. Turned around night two, Chris Ferguson. Uh, Fergie time. He picked up night two in the 22. Huge win for that team. When I lived down in South Carolina, used to go to the lot of the Carolina Clash, is what the series was called down there for the super late models. And Chris Ferguson, of course, being a North Carolina native, competed in a lot of those events down there. And it was cool to see him pick up that huge win, $50,000 payday. But when we talk World of Outlaws, we look over now at Cherokee Speedway, where they were this weekend, 40 cars strong, and all in the end, it was Max Blair in the 111 picking up that win as well. This was a very awesome event. I will have to say this. Saturday night, I went over to Freedom Hall at the Exposition Center in Louisville, Kentucky, and it was the inaugural Mack Trailer Winter Nationals inaugural event for the Lucas Oil Pro Pulling Team. That is probably one of the best tractor pulls events I've went to. It was kind of a different feel uh, from the National Farm Machinery Show tractor pull because, of course, it was MAV-TV. It was broadcasted on MAV-TV+. Plus. Great app. And then they kind of went the opposite way. Instead of going towards the opposite end of the entrance of Freedom Hall, they went towards the door of Freedom Hall entrance and exit. So one of the tractors in the Superstock division actually almost hit the wall there, but uh, kind of went over to the left a little bit on the course. Because in tractor pulling, and specifically for the Lucas Oil Pro pulling team, you have an orange cone behind the sled. And your crew chief or whatnot can decide, or your driver, what lane you want to take. And there was one of three lanes, the right lane, middle lane, and the left lane. And it was interesting on how a lot of these tractors and trucks did it. They pulled the super stocks, I believe the um, semis. That was pretty cool because it was the Mid-America Truck Show, and that was the highlight of it all. Um, so four classes, and this is a huge deal because this is the highest payout in pulling history. And if you think about Freedom Hall, Freedom Hall was around in the 88, 87 era of being the startup for motorsports, tractor, pull, tractor pulling, and as well as monster trucks, you know, the Bigfoot, the Gravedigger of Dennis Anderson, a lot of your other trucks as well, specifically TNT, the show that came on, and that's when they went to Louisville Speedway for the figure eight stuff. And uh, so such a rich history, and I couldn't find a better place to have that event, and I'm glad they p chose Freedom Hall to have that event, and it was good to see Leslie Mears down there. I'm a good friend of Leslie Mears. I talk to her frequently. Uh, she's a trailblazer in the sport of monster truck and tractor pulling as well. But $10,000 to win in all four classes, that's impressive, and Mac Trailer deserves all the credit there, so awesome for them. But that is probably one of the best pulls I've ever been to at Freedom Hall was that inaugural Mac um, Winter Nationals, Mac Trailer Winter Nationals inaugural event. Uh, very cool to see all those tractors and trucks there. And, of course, the mini rods, the modified mini rods, such a spectacle to see. You see them on MAV-TV uh, all the time. So very cool there. So from Saturday night inside of a building, we go outside Sunday, outdoors in a very chilly Sports Drum Speedway for their 76th annual opening at the Sports Drum Speedway, and great day of racing. 44 Fords, I believe, the Affordable Ford Division showed up. You had the ICA Dempster Sportsman, the Kentucky and a Tank Wash Modified Figure 8, and, of course, the Race 8 program, which we'll talk to Harold Adams next, the Oval Jamie Beerman uh, Harbin in that 67. 
uh, picked up the win there. Race eight, figure eight. Uh, Nick Cooper will be talking about them here shortly. But great day of racing. But let's talk about the day that kicked off. Powder Puff Division Racing. Boy, this was a good one. The top two contenders all year seems to be, I should say top three, because the three fastest cars, you have Ashley Johnson, the 64, Miranda Jane in the number 30, and of course, the winner, 77 of Tiffany Shelton, and that car was on a rail all day long. Uh, so congratulations to that young lady. Uh, she's going to be battling strong for that points championship chase, as Miranda Basham, who is not competing in the Powder Puff division this year, picked up the championship last year. But let's talk about the affordable Fords for a second. Two features on the day. Derek Smith in the 64 had a great battle with Jamie Harbin, the last year's champion, defending champion. And Derek Smith, he was so close to a championship in 2021. Uh, you got to look out for him this year. He picked up that win in Ford Oval number one. Ford two, how about this? Aaron C. jumps in that number 77 Scotty Shelton-owned machine and picks up the win. Tiffany Shelton won in that car in the Powder Puff. Aaron C. backs it up with a win in Ford Oval number two. Picking up where he left off, Austin Williams in that number 15 picked up the ICA Dumpster Sportsman win yesterday. Huge win for that young man. Talked to him a little bit in victory lane after it was all said and done. And that young man's looking forward to a great run this year, trying to go back-to-back. His father, Alan Williams, did it so many times, and uh, it looks like Austin is following in his footsteps. Another big deal of the day, I thought, the Kentucky Anna Tank Wash Modified Figure 8 Division, Dale Shelton in the number 58. How about that? This veteran guy takes off a while, comes back, sets fast time, and then backs it up with a feature win. So congratulations to Dale Shelton in the number 58. A lot of good cards in that division. Tough break for Ricky Puckett in the number 17. Him and Corey Harmon are sharing this year. Uh, problems with the fender earlier than I believe he had a tire rub, tire go down. So tough break for him. You have a lot of guys in that division this year that can win it. Mike Berry, of course, new scheme this year. Uh, Dustin Baker, his teammate now this year, jumping into it. Brandon Bailey now moving from the ICA Dumpster Sportsman into the modified figure eight division. So a growing division there, and you always have your threats. You have Matt Johnson in the zero, and you have, which really surprised me, had a great run, Gerald Poe in the number 91. That was impressive to see. But then you look at the figure eight in the Fords. Man, what a battle between Ricky Puckett and the Dennis Lynn own number 14 machine. Uh, kind of got squabbled up. He was leading that whole race, and uh, lap car, I believe, the 0-7, kind of got in the way there going to the start-finish line. And Jacob Robertson took advantage of it. He went on the outside around Ricky Puckett. So Jacob Robertson, I mean, that young man, he's he's won about every place you can go and afford. So congratulations to him, part of Gambler's Garage Stable. So look out for him at the rest of the year. So talking about what's coming up next, the Race 8 program, you look at Race 8 Oval, I believe about 17, 16, 17 cars started that. Jamie Harbin also picking up where she left off in 2021, picks up Race 8 Oval, number one of the year, 67, beautiful car. And then the Race 8 Figure 8 Division, Nick Cooper, which picked up the Cutting the X Series a couple years back. Uh, he picked up where he left off a couple years back as well. And then you look at a lot of guys in that division. Uh, man, Dean Riley had a great run in the number 56 machine. Um, Alex Booby doing great like he always does. He is your defending cutting the X-Series champion. But then, man, tough break for Bubby Getling and Buzzy Jurek as they had an intersection collision, which was a very hard hit for Buzzy Jurek. And, of course, they are teammates. 
they'll be competing here at Salem Speedway coming up here shortly in the Pro Front Wheel Drives. And, man, it's just great to see the sportsmanship teammates. Uh, gave them a hug after it was over. So, all in all, great day at Sports Trump Speedway. Tons of cars, great fans for a cold day um, out there at the track. So, it's good to see all of that come to ahead. But, race fans, coming up next is your special guest today. He is the guru behind the Race 8 program. He is none other than Hawk Harold Adams. We'll be talking to him next about the stable. And that leads us in, ladies and gentlemen, to our next guest today. Of course, last week we had Ryan Bowling with Dirt 2 Media on live. And today we have none other than the racing hawk himself, Hawk Harold Adams. And Hawk, thank you for being on today. This is such a anticipated interview. We're glad to have you on today. Thank you, Wild Will. It's a great pleasure to be here with you, Will, and uh, to be on one of your, uh, not your first broadcast but your second so it's that's not too bad i guess but yeah one of your first guests and uh one of many i'm sure through the season through the years whatever however long this goes on i know you're getting a lot of attention with this stuff so i look for a big and uh, better things for you but it's great to be here i know of course a lot of people know both of us they know we uh do a lot of things together see a lot of racing do a lot of stuff with the racing and so uh, it's great to be here and uh, spend a little time with you here, Will. Yes, sir, indeed. And uh, that leads me to my first question. A lot of people, you know, they want to get to know people. And this is not just for drivers. This is for promoters and and uh, personnel in the area around the racing and short track racing industry. So I'm going to dive into it here. Lots to talk about. How did the evolution of Race 8 begin? Yeah, uh, a lot of people don't know the whole history of it all. It's been going on for a while now. It's kind of amazing how many years this thing has gone on, really. But uh, it all started with a guy up north, middle around uh, Noblesville, Indiana, J.R. Rouse. He's the one who actually started website, race8.com. And he's just a fan in the stands at the time. And he just seen a thing where there was a need for a website to cover figure eight racing and not just here but everywhere so he started this little website and uh just tried to get results and uh some updates from figure eight tracks mostly around the area of course indianapolis speedrome is the uh heart of figure eight racing if you will of course we got a lot of figure eight racing down this way too sports drome and around so he well i was i just happened to happen to uh, stumble upon the website one day i mean for no reason, I was just kind of just bored one day, just looking around. I'm always looking for racing stuff on the web. And so I seen this thing about Race 8, and I was like, what is this Race 8? This is pretty cool. So I clicked on, and I was like, hey, this is about figure eight racing, which is something I just love. I mean, I always love short track racing, but I've loved figure eight racing the most. And because uh, I've always been at going down to sports drums since I was a kid, and that's one of the biggest things is a, is figure eight racing so i always got hooked on it so anyway i looked at it and uh he just happened to get, put a thing on there that day jr did about he needed someone to kind of cover racing at sports drum i was like bingo that's me so i hurried up and sent him a message you know i wanted to hurry up and get on there before someone else got the job so i was like you know a little kid i was like yeah i want to do this so he was like yeah sure i don't have anybody yet so uh you know, just go down there and uh, see if you can get some updates and put some things on about uh, what's going on, results if you can, blah, 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 whatever. So 
And, of course, I've been going down to Sports Drone for a long time. We'll get into that later. But I went down there and asked Mike Gibson, a promoter, if I could come in and uh, kind of maybe take a few pictures and uh, uh, do some updates for a website. And he's like, well, okay. So I come in. This was at towards the end of the season because the, uh, the website started, I think, in August of, uh, I want to say, I see, I don't even know now, 2009. It's been that while, uh, long ago. So it was just the last couple of weeks of the season that I did that. And so I did a couple of pictures, did some updates. It was really cool and everything. So then the next year, you know, we got going and I was really ready to do it. So uh, things just sort of progressed a little bit more. I got a little bit more of a better camera, took some pictures and uh, went back in the pits and started knowing the people. You know, this was before Facebook really took hold, too. So websites was the only thing out there as far as like social media, if you will. So there was not a whole lot of people doing any kind of updates or pictures. So I started putting these pictures up and everybody was like, yeah, we want to see more pictures. This is great. You know, we we don't see this. So I just started doing more and more pictures and more pictures and doing updates. And just people loved it. And I was starting to get to know the drivers. I was giving updates throughout the week. And about, you know, this guy's doing this with this car. He's getting a new car. And people just loved it. So, I mean, and now, of course, on Facebook, everybody has their own little reporter. Everybody wants to report this and that. You know what I mean? Everybody's showing everything. So, in a way, I guess I was kind of before the, the time, in a way, kind of got all that stuff rolling, I, I want to say. I mean, I wasn't the originator of it, but I was kind of before the, the big scene of social media getting all this stuff going. And so, as it is now, uh, there was a time a few years ago, the... Uh, the front wheel drive figure eight was dying out at sports drone. So Mike was getting rid of it. And so I came to him, I said, you know, uh, <clears throat> I hate to see it go. Uh, when there's plenty of cars in that division, that's one of the best divisions I've ever seen. It's, they put on a heck of a show. He was like, yeah, but people just don't want to do it no more. It's dying out. We ended the season with like six cars. I said, yeah, but you know, I think it can still live on. I, I know there's a lot of guys out there that just, just for one reason or another, just ain't been racing this year. And I know a lot of them want to, were wanting to get back into it. I said, i tell you what. I said, won't you let me take it over? And just, uh, I'll get a little money together. We can have a few races a year and uh, see how it goes and maybe get it back going again. Get it, you know, get it started up again. Build it back up. He's like, well, okay, let's give it a shot. So I came up with this fundraising idea of T-shirts. And get some sponsors on the back of the T-shirts, and which would supply a little extra money, and also sell the T-shirts and use that profit towards the purse of the front-wheel drive figure eight. And we did about four races, I think, that first year, and it was a huge success. Uh, paid them good. People loved it. They thought it was neat. It was fun. And I was still doing my pictures. So they appreciated all I was doing. And it just kind of built up. We'd add a race. We'd add more money. I got more sponsors on the T-shirts. More and more people started buying them. And now, you know, my first T-shirt, I think, was 2011. And here it is, 2022. And we're still doing them. And every year, they're, of course, different colors. And it's the same, uh, got the same logo look on the front. So it's become kind of a following here. Uh, you see those race eight shirts, the different colors throughout the crowds of the r local regional racetracks all over. And it's kind of fun to, to point out these different shirts and the hoodies, too. I do hoodies, too. And uh, 
it's kind of neat to see them sprinkled about the tracks and everything and uh it's just kind of a neat thing. It's just kind of kept going and going, and it's built up. And, of course, the last couple of years, we've done the front-wheel drive oval and the front-wheel drive figure eight. So uh, it's been going pretty good. It's had its ups and downs, if you will. You know, it's kind of a roller coaster ride, especially for figure eight. Uh, you know, it built up, like I said, right at the beginning. Then it kind of went down a little bit. Then it went back up. And now the last year or so, it's kind of gone back down again. So we're we're kind of fighting that little bit of a bug there. That's just kind of the way it is with figure eight racing. You know, it, it, guys will get hit or or whatever, and they get a little bit cautious about it. And, they you know, they don't they drop out of it for a while. And then they come back or or one of the guy's girlfriends or wives are said okay that's enough uh you're scaring me to death go back to oval you know it's just the nature of the beast of figure eight racing but those guys are awesome they're another breed of course but mean those guys put on a heck of a show and uh you know uh like i say we're still going strong down there with the uh, race eight program uh selling the shirts and the hoodies and uh and it's going really well Excellent. And let's drop back uh, to the t-shirts for a second and hoodies. Because like you said, th- there's a big following of that. Everywhere I go in the region, everywhere you go in the region, we go to a lot of tracks together when one of ours isn't racing. And we talk about it. We're like, oh, there's a race eight shirt. Well, for me, you can point it off just like that. In my head, I'm trying to think what color goes with what year. I know that one, let's see, 2014, maybe red, or maybe it's 13. I don't know. You have to clear me up on that. Talk about that for a second. I know you you, you hit on it for a little bit there, but how? what does it mean for you as a guy in the sport since 2011 to see the following of these t-shirts because it really is a trend and it really is cool around the area but race eight hasn't all been about figure eight lately it's following a lot of races you give results at sportstrom you talk about other things as well you have 5.8 thousand on facebook that likes the race eight page talk about the the shirt and what it means to you the hoodies the sponsors that came on board yeah uh like you say uh, it has expanded out a little bit uh as the first time I did the shirts, of course, like I said, it was just to fund the front wheel drive figure eight that year. Just wanted to get some money, a little extra money. Okay, I got some guys that helped me sponsor the shirt uh, and and enough to pay the purses. We had some people buying the shirts. Okay, cool. Okay, so it just kept going on and on. It got a little bit more and more each year. More, year after year we start seeing more shirts so there's more shirts out there and i don't buy the cheap shirts either i buy the good shirts so they last a while which is proof because you still see those old shirts everywhere everybody talks about the original black shirts that i had uh i didn't make very many of those i can't remember how many i made but there wasn't but a hundred and some made hoodies i only made 30 hoodies of the black original black and you still see a couple of them around i know daniel farish was always big on that he just he always talked about how he loved uh, his black hoodie and there was only 30 of them made so kind of a rare item if you will so maybe a collector's item years from now maybe they'll be worth a million dollars so if you got one of those you might want to hold on to them but i don't know i'll never see that day but anyway yeah it's uh it's kind of neat to see the the shirts now like you said it's kind of a trendy thing that that uh, caught on a fashion thing uh the fans in the area recognize it you know a lot of people just they see it it's like okay there's a race eight shirt that's that's that guy hawk <laughs> you know so but yeah i don't just do the sports drum too that's where my home track is that's where we do the front wheel drive that's where i do all my main stuff but on race eight 
uh, we cover all figure eight racing across the whole country. If you go on to the website, and there is still a website, and it's we had to update the website a couple years ago, so we couldn't actually use the race8.com name. We had to change it, so a lot of people don't know that. Uh, it's race8.boardhost.com. If you put that in, you'll take you to the website. A lot of times I leave links to the website for different things because I do have still a lot of good information on the website. But you'll see tracks on there. And I need to get this update, and now we're getting into the 2022 season. But you'll see tracks on there, uh, not just Sports Drone, but the course of Speed Drone and Indy, Anderson up there, and Anderson Speedway, uh, course here at Salem, too. Also venturing out to Painesville Speedway, our buddy up there, Randy, uh, in that area, big on figure eight racing. So I love supporting them, and they love supporting race eight. Any ventures out to Colorado speedway someplace you're going to be at this year will also all the way out to the west coast to uh california on up uh to uh uh seattle area of course i of course the seattle one of these days i'll make it up there to see my hawks but uh hopefully not this year i don't think it's going to be a very good one but anyway uh enough about the seahawks we don't want to talk about that right now uh just give them a few years we'll be back up in the super bowl i'm sure so just remember that you got this on recording right now so anyway, yeah, up there at the Evergreen Speedway. And let's not forget about Florida, too. I usually like to get down there every year to Showtime Speedway uh, to see Mr. Robert Yoho. And uh, they always have a great show in February. We used to go down there every year. This year, of course, I didn't make it. But uh, we uh, try to get the results and uh, a little bit of updates from all those figure eight tracks and all of them around. I'm sure I'm forgetting a couple of them. But any place that races any kind of figure eight racing, uh, not just not really your county fair ones, but your uh, more serious figure eight racing, what we're talking about. That's what we like to cover. And, um, uh, you know, it's a, a thing, like I say, the website sort of has a turn more attention I have towards the Facebook where I got most of my pictures and updates and uh, everything that's going on. And uh, mostly at Sportsdrome, but everywhere else, too, I track keep everybody abreast. Oh, yeah, up in uh, Michigan, Flat Rock Speedway and Toledo Speedway, they do a lot of figure eight racing up there, too. So we usually like to keep abreast of what's going on up in that area, too. And I think a lot of people like to see the those things every once in a while, kind of keep connected with the figure eight drivers, because a lot of these guys know each other around the country, and uh, they don't always hear or see what's going on so they like to see if someone one of their friends that they know or acquaintances win a race they'll be like hey it's great to see you win that race so get on there and say hey you're doing a good job there looks great car looks great and i hope we'll see you here later on this year at this track or that track whatever so uh just trying to bring the whole figure eight crowd and racers and and everything the fan base all together all in one absolutely now that's all awesome but let's talk instead of post race eight let's talk pre-race eight you actually competed a little bit yourself back here at sports drone before i was born let me add but (laughs) i'm sure i'll get hit for that but talk about that how where did you start racing how did you get the itch to start racing and what kind of evolved the racing hawk back in the day yeah, like I said, um, I was talking to you before, you know, there's a lot of these, uh, the younger racers and fans that uh, don't know my history. And there, a lot of times I will talk to them back in the pits or whatever about their cars or whatever. And I'll mention something to them about 
back in the day when I raced, they'll be like, you raced? I didn't know that. You know, that's interesting. I, but, yeah, I raced Dromers, the old Dromer division, down to Sports Drome from uh, 1991 all the way to 2000. Now, it actually goes back further than that, though, way back, if you will. 1984 was when my first race was. And that was at the old Charlestown Speedway, Charleston, Indiana. Awesome track. Love that track. And uh, it was around for a few years before the Louisville Speedway took over. Sort of Andy Vertries and that crowd kind of built uh, Louisville Speedway. And, uh, but for a few years, they had uh, Charlestown. It was really wild. And uh, they started the bombers and everything there. And uh, me and a friend of mine, we were only about uh, 18, 19 years old then. Uh, we were going to track all the time, and uh, we always talked about maybe racing one day, but we could never afford it. We didn't know what to do. We don't know nothing about these cars. We were just fans in the stands, but we wanted to kind of, we were thinking about maybe we'd get out there one day, but the street stocks at that time were it's just expensive, and we always would see new guys get out on the track, and they just, they had, you know, they were way out of the water of where they needed to be, and it was like, you know, we don't want to be one of those guys. It's just, you know, that's just not the way to do it. So anyway, the bombers started up in Charlestown, and boy, there it was. A cheap, affordable way to get into racing, just like nowadays with the Ford Crown Vicks, the same thing. Uh, they were stock. Those those were big cars back then. It was about that time where, uh, you know, the gas thing, everybody was going to the smaller cars and better gas mileage. There was just a plethora of those big boats, Impalas, LTDs, all over the place, Nobody wanted them anymore. Cheap. I mean, we bought an LTD, me and my buddy, a 72 LTD. There really was nothing wrong with the car, a street car. There was nothing wrong with it. No dents, run fire. We bought it for $200. And, uh, of course, this is back in 1984. You can see how times have changed. But still, nobody wanted those cars. They just, no, you know, gas mileage, no, no, no. So, anyway, those cars were everywhere. So, we got LTD, a 72 LTD and uh, stripped it down had a couple guys put you know helped us out we put a little bit of a cage in there a few bars and door plate and we was ready to go racing we didn't even need racing belts back in believe it or not you didn't we just had a regular lap belt we had a bench seat in that thing and uh, put up grabbed the old helmet that we had you know and uh, we was ready to go racing we didn't know what the heck we was doing Uh, we just took turns each week my buddy roast raced the first week and uh, he did all right my first race was uh it was a heat race. They drew for positions. I drew the pole. First race, I never had any practice. <laughs> First time on the track in that race, and I was like, what am I doing out here? I have no idea what, why am I here, you know? This is about the dumbest idea ever. So jumped out. The green flag went out, you know, came down. I took the lead. I was like, well, this ain't so bad. You know, this is pretty fun. But it was like three laps in, it's like, I was getting excited. It's like I went into turn three, and it's like I forgot the brake or something. It's like, you know, I, my, you know, I didn't know the fundamentals of racing. You know, I was just doing whatever. And by that time, I got too excited. And I didn't know what I was doing. And I just spun that thing into the grass. I was like, Oop, okay. I got a little bit of learning to do. So I settled down a little bit, finished the race. You know, I got that under my belt. And I went back in the feature the next, uh, later on, started 14th out of 29 cars so i was like right in the middle and say is lining this up and i remember thinking gosh this is going to be like a demo derby all these cars in front of me all these cars behind me i don't know what i'm doing i just have to just hit the gas and go 
So I did all right. You know, I started doing pretty good. And uh, uh, believe it or not, I finished ninth out of 29 cars. Uh, came out with a couple scratches, but I, I didn't spin it in that feature. So the, uh, after that, we raced a couple more times, did all right. Car was tore up. We didn't know what to do with the car because we didn't know how we had to work on it. We didn't even set the toe on the thing. And that's the way it was back then. Everybody was doing it because there must have been a lot of people like me, us that wanted to race and never had a chance to. So it was, you know, those cars, you know, there was tons of them. So everybody was just out there, and then bombers were just crazy. Of course, as with any other short track division, things evolve. And so after a while, they became a little more racy and racier. So, uh, uh, but that first year of the bombers in 84, I know there's a lot of people probably listening to this will remember that. Uh, that was uh, one heck of a year. And then the next year, they uh, uh, the car count went through the roof, and they had some wild races up there in Durrells and everything. And uh, my, actually, me and my buddy got another car in 86. He raced it one time and wrecked it and tore it up, so I never got a chance to race that one. So we was done after that. We was like, yeah, well, we had our fun, you know. So but anyway, uh, the Dromers started up in, at Sports Drome in uh, 90, and they're just like bombers. They kind of started their own little division like that. And so I had just gotten a job, uh, a pretty good job the year before that, so making some good money. And so I was thinking, okay, I might be uh, ready to get back into this racing thing. So in 91, I decided to buy an old car and fixed it up, me and my buddy, and a couple other friends. And so we got a car together, and I went out there, and uh, like I said, I raced for about 10 years in the Dromers. Now I was never a front runner, uh, but I wasn't in the, a back marker either. I was somewhere in the middle. Uh, there was times just like the Fords are now they had enough cars for like an A and a B feature Concy and all that stuff so uh, I always talk about how there was one year or two there where I was like right dead center in the middle one week I'd be in the A one week I'd be in the B so I was bouncing back and forth it was kind of neat that way because like in the A I'd be up front and those fast guys would be pushing me hard in the back and it was uh, you know it was you had to really hold on for your life there those guys are you know breathing down your neck and i i did all right and then uh next week i'd be in the b feature or something i'd be one of the fast guys in the back and so it was fun trying to move my way through the field i won a few b features some concies a bunch of heat races and i did win for the for the record i did win one a feature so i do at least have that under my belt so i'm very proud of that there's some old vhs tapes my wife come out each and every week and would record the races so i got stacks and stacks that need to get turned over on the dvd before they wither away rotten away because you know those things don't last forever but uh but yeah then in 2000 i kind of gave it up kind of helped my uh my uncle and my nephew they were kind of into racing so i kind of helped them for a few years then i just went back to they quit and i went back to being a fan in the stands and then it came around to the race eight deal what we talked about in about 2009 and uh, here we are today still doing a race eight thing now that we got the pre and the race eight you know pre-hawk and then post-hawk race eight let's talk a little bit about photography so this year it was announced that you are the official photographer of Sportstrom Speedway. So that's pretty cool because a lot of people have requested that for years. I know Vicky was the photographer, and now you've stepped in and took that position. How does that make you feel? 
Yeah, I, uh, you know, I've been taking the pictures, like I say, for many years down there, just kind of for fun, you know, and and putting it on race safe for people to see. But I always kind of wanted to kind of do it for real, if you will. And uh, so this year, I have my opportunity. Uh, Mike's given me a chance to to do some pictures and uh, uh, sell them down there, and uh, you know, uh, do it for real, like I say, not just for fun. I've had my fun with it. And that's really all I started out doing. It's not a big deal to me to make money supporting racing. I know a lot of people do a lot of different things, and they and they make profit out of it, and that's fine. Uh, but I'm not worried about that. Like I say, through the years here, all the stuff I've done with race aid and the front-wheel drive and the T-shirts, you know, that's something I never really brought up. But 100% of the profits from all that goes back to the racers, every bit of it. Some of it goes to the fans some of my contests that I do, but all of it goes back to the racers. And that, that right there, the gratitude of that is, uh, is enough for me to feel satisfied about what I'm doing. I mean, I'm not young anymore. I'm 58 years old. So, I mean, I'm not ready to start some big career or do anything of, of making a big profit or anything. I'm not worried about all that. I feel good about supporting racing in the community and the region what I've done and what I still want to do. I'm still not done with everything yet. And so it's a, an opportunity those, this year to do some things with the, with the pictures. And I know a lot of that information will be coming out here soon. And um, uh, we'll let you know. Of course, check out the uh, Race 8 Facebook page. Of course, we get all the information on that. Speaking of photography, though, it is a dangerous uh, uh, type of hobby, if you will. For most of y'all probably know um, – not everybody, but everybody, uh, some of y'all know what happened to me last year down at Sports Drone during a practice session, of course, which is, uh, you know, something you always worry about in photography or racing. You know, you get in some dangerous, risky areas. And uh, like I said, it's always been a lot of fun to get in those areas and you get those good shots. And it's like, man, this is going to be good. This is great. And it's fun, you know, to, to capture those things, to try to capture them. And you get in those dangerous spots where nobody else gets to, and, you know, you just go on about your day and think, man, that was awesome. But there's always a time in the back of your mind you think, you know, something could happen here, but it probably won't. Well, last year it did. When I was down there, I was right there at the at the pit entrance gate in turn four of the Oval. And it was just a practice Friday night. Only a handful of cars were even there at the time. Hardly anybody there. So I was right there at the gate at the opening, like I've done many a times before, taking pictures. It was uh, Gerald Poe in his modified figure eight car. And they come down the straightaway almost like right at you there make that turn. Get some great pictures there, by the way. But as he was coming down the straightaway, his throttle hung. And uh, I could tell right away that's what happened. You know, I mean, he just the motor just revved up, and he was just screaming coming down that straightaway. And I was like, okay. His throttle stuck. This could be bad. Okay. So I thought, but my, my photography instincts told me, go ahead and take one more picture of him screaming down that straightaway and then turn and run. So I went click and turn and started running. But I was thinking in my mind, I thought, he's probably not going to make it through that gate into the pits. There's only a small area where you get out of the pits. Some guys can't even drive through it without getting hung up. So how's he going to hit the wall or whatever? doing whatever 90 mile an hour or whatever and come through that gate and hit me i thought he probably isn't going to be able to do that but he could i better get out you know i better get out of town because parts are probably going to go flying anyway you know 
So anyway, I hear him screaming down there. I'm turn run. He hit the wall, and I could just tell by the sound of the motor that he had made it through that gate because he was like right there in my ear, and I was like, all this is going through my mind in a split second. I'm like, he made it through that gate. He made it through that gate. Somehow or other, he did. He's right there. So I was running, and next thing I knew, I was laying on the ground. And I'm like, okay, he hit me. And I was like, I didn't know what was going on. I was like, okay, you know, am I even alive? You know, I'm still here at the racetrack. Maybe this is heaven, you know. <laughs> Maybe this is. I don't know, but I thought, no, nah, I'm, I'm, I'm here. And I was like, okay. I was laying on my side, and I was like, I moved my right leg. I was like, okay. And I tried to move my left leg. Nothing. I was like, okay. Uh, and I went down there to feel it, and it just, I was like, I couldn't even feel my leg. So I was like, okay, this is bad. <laughs> so someone came over. I think it was Dean World said, are you okay, Harold? And I was like, uh, well, no, I think something's wrong with my leg. I can't move it. can't even feel it. He's like, well, just stay there. I was like, well, where am I going to go? I, I don't think I'm going to get up and walk away. So anyway, uh, it ended up with a broken femur, and it was a clean break too. Uh, but I really had no other injuries at all, which was strange because – you would have think the car would have just if he hit me. I guess what we're thinking is just I just got hit by a tire. I think the tire was sticking out because when you hit the wall there on the left side, it probably bent everything over a little bit. That he and then he came through the gate. He hit me with the tire and thumped my leg because I had no scratches, nothing, and uh, so I was lucky on that part, if you will. And uh, somewhere or other, I uh, you know survived it. And it was a long uh, road of a recovery. I had to take some time off there. I think I only missed a couple weeks at Sports Drome. Then I was able to hobble myself into the VIP booth for a couple weeks, two or three. And then I started walking around a little bit with the cane back there in the pits. Started doing some more pictures. And uh, I'll be totally healed in August. I'm not there yet. I can get around pretty well. I still feel it. It doesn't really hurt. It just feels a little uncomfortable at times, but I'm pretty well, uh, pretty good. And of course, most of y'all probably know I like to do a lot of running. I ain't been able to run, but that is my ultimate goal of being back is to run again and do some 5Ks and actually do the mini marathon again, believe it or not. I've done about eight or nine of those. And so the ultimate goal is to get back to doing that maybe next April over in uh, at the uh, uh, in Louisville, Kentucky. And that's where I think I'll be all the way back at that point but it's been a long road and uh, like I say I don't always get in those risky areas now I'm a little bit leery about getting in a dangerous spot I'm like you know what this is great but it's it's not always worth the risk and so any of you photographers out there if you I mean I'm sure some people people have had some close calls you've been hit by parts and stuff but I tell you what you want to might want to think twice about where you stand during these races because uh, it doesn't take much split second and it'll change your life forever that's for sure yeah and a funny story about that <clears throat> a lot of people know we go to a lot of tracks together we're good friends and i think that is the only time i decided not to go to practice i was so wore out because we went to circle city in the mexican rodeo which a lot of people will laugh at that, but that was a, that was another great story. We have all kinds of stories we could share and tell, but we went to Circle City, I think, the night before, and they had a Mexican rodeo going on at the fairgrounds up there, and that was quite a fun time. But I decided to go home. I was so tired because we did a lot of that week, and I get a call. I think Brandon Taylor calls me and says, 
Harold's been hit by a car. Uh, can you please come get his stuff? And I'm like, oh my gosh. So I get my clothes on, run and get your stuff. Go in the ER at U of L, and there you are laying down. I was like, what have you done now? Uh, but that, that's awesome. Blessing that you're okay, definitely, because you've had a tough road at it. But now let's talk about front-wheel drive racing. We call them all different kinds of things in the world today we live in at different facilities. We call them Hornets, primarily dirt. You call them factory front-wheel drives if you're speeddrome. You call them pure pony division if you're down in the deep south at Clarksville Speedway. But talk about the evolution of factory transitioning to what is the Race 8 Pro's or Vors Compact Touring Series, or National Compact Touring Series. What is the branch in the evolution between a factory now going to pros? Yeah, when we first started out, you know, we we were on a, basically a stock division, but they could do a lot of things. And we were on the street tires and the street uh, stock wheels. So we did that for a while, and everybody was like, you know, because the Vors started up, big series you know they're they're high dollar cars they're using the racing wheels and tires so a lot of the guys around here were like hey we need to start doing that let's 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 do that let's go on the racing tires you know i was like well you know i don't know maybe maybe so it took a couple years there and and everybody was kind of all in for it i was like well all right let's go for it let's let's go all in so we called it a pro front wheel drive made it really open where you could do you know kind of whatever you wanted that's what the guys wanted to do you know, they wanted race cars, but they wanted the little ones. Why not? So that's what we did, and uh, it did really well, you know. Uh, guys had to, you know, spend a little money to get it going, with buy some tires and buy some racing wheels. But it did really well, and the racing was really good. And, uh, you know, of course, the speed's picked up, and that's what everybody likes. And uh, it did really well. But, uh, of course, as the way things have gone here in the last year or so, with uh, the way the world is now, and it's hard to get things. Of course, this is across the whole country. The racing tires are just hard to get uh, for many different reasons. Materials, labor, the whole bit. And so they're way behind on everything. They can't keep up with demand, if you will. And they can't get a lot of people to help at these factories. Hoosier, American Racer, they're all having the same problem. So a lot of these series, of course, working out these deals... Well, okay, we'll get enough tires for you guys. We'll get enough tires for you guys. But guys like me, just running the series down there, you know, we're kind of left out in the cold. So there was a debate this whole season is, you know, are we going to be able to run the racing wheels and the tires, I should say? Are we going to be able to run them? People's got them. They last a while, but you're going to be wanting some more. Are they going to be available? Is there going to be enough available? Is it going to be a thing where in the middle of the season where you're like, hey, I try to get some tires. I can't find any. Just some old junk tires these guys got for sale. What am I supposed to do? Well, you know, so we decided, okay, let's just, you know, the best thing to do at this point is to go back to the stock wheels and tires. And um, that's just the best way to do it. Of course, we, the thing about the stock tires is, there's so many different ones out there. So you try to go to maybe a spec tire. Well, you run into the same problem as the racing tire. You can't get a whole lot of one kind of tire because they're very limited. And if they run out, they may not have any for a while because they're going to be stuck out 
on a boat in the middle of the ocean. So you don't know when it's going to dock. So there is the same problem. So we, we made a deal where you, there's a few different sizes you can run because we didn't want to get too crazy with it where people could come up with some kind of different tires and, and cheat a little bit. Not that they would do that. But anyway, anyway, we tried to make it where, uh, you know, it, it's, it, there's a limited amount of tires. We can compl- uh, police it really well and uh, just go with it on that. And so this first week, this past week, everything went pretty well now, I think. Um, even there was a couple comments I seen on Facebook where it looked like it kind of leveled the playing field out a little bit. Now, of course, Jamie Beerman, Harbin, champion of last year, she won the, the feature race this past week, and she looked pretty strong at doing it. So that group, the Beerman group's already figured a little something out. And so they're definitely the car to beat. But uh, everybody else was, uh, you know, well, pretty even back through there. And there's still some cars left to come out that's not quite ready. Uh, I think we had 17 cars show up first week. There's several guys I know that don't have their cars ready. Uh, some guys from out of town even that uh, will show up here every now and then. They, they weren't ready. And uh, so I think it'll be all right. We'll just see how it progresses this year. Of course, you're having them this year here at Salem, too. So there's plenty of uh, races for those guys if they uh, want to do, uh, uh, you know, race uh, a lot this year. That's something they always want to do, but not too much. So they still got some weeks off. But they can race here at Salem. They can race there. Uh, they race Vores, you know. So there's lots of different options for those guys. And uh, I'm just glad that I can uh, give them one of the options uh, racing at the uh, Sports Drome in the Race 8 series in the uh, Oval and the Figure 8. And that's something else, too, about the figure eight division this year. Uh, you know, we didn't have a lot of cars, but we're hoping that uh, it builds up, too. And uh, also, uh, yeah, we talked about the Vore series, you know, coming around in the area. Of course, the right here at Salem that we're at, the National Touring Series be coming here, I think, two times this year, if not once, twice. And uh, they'll be racing on the big track here as the, uh, the normal uh, pro front-wheel drive series runs on the short track here but that national touring series uh very similar to vores uh they travel around the midwest they'll be here and they run on the big track and so uh that's always an interesting thing to see those front wheel drives buzzing around the big half mile here at salem so anyway those guys got plenty of options and uh we're just uh keeping it rolling and uh, giving those guys a place to race Absolutely. And uh, before we wrap it up here, <clears throat> talk about last questions here. Plans for race eight, bigger, better, looking towards the future. And finally, tell people where they can try to get the race eight shirts. All the money goes back to the racers. So talk about where you can look up to purchase the shirt, let you know they want to purchase one. Um, and yeah, plans for race eight and where to purchase it before we wrap up. Yeah, it is something I sell each and every week. I'm at the Sports Drome. And I always have the shirts there. Uh, but you can go on my Facebook page, the Race 8, Figure 8 Racing page. And uh, I always have information there. You can contact me through there if you're not friends with me on my personal page. You can contact me through there on the Facebook. I have had a lot of people throughout the years contact me from out of town uh, across the country saying, Hey, you know, I'd like to have one of those shirts or a couple of them. Can I order them? Can you mail them to me? Yeah, I can mail them to you. You know, just have to add a little shipping cost there, but I can do that. 
And uh, actually, as a matter of fact, bringing that up this year on the Race 8 shirt, the 2022 shirt, I've got a couple of uh, out-of-town sponsors on there, as a matter of fact. So that's interesting. And uh, But anyway, I got one from the uh, Evergreen Speedway area up in the Pacific Northwest, uh, Boney Brothers Racing that uh, races up there at Evergreen. And then uh, I got uh, uh, a guy with a trucking company there. The name escapes myself right now, but uh, up there in uh, uh, around the uh, Flat Rock area, around Flat Rock Speedway. So he just, they just, they just like, hey, we'd like to just be a part of race eight. Can we get on your shirt? I was like, sure, no problem with that. So you know, just pay your money for the ad, and uh, there it is. And uh, they just want a few shirts, and they just feel good about helping out with racing, just like what I'm doing. Just happy to help out and do our part and support the the sport that we love and uh as i said yeah you can always go on race eight there and let me know if you need some shirts i've got plenty right now i only i buy so many and if i get low i buy some more and then uh when they run out you know a certain point they run out so uh but uh tnt screen print always does my shirts and uh, i want to give a shout out to them they've done really well with the shirts for many years now uh mike anderson uh, he used to do them for the first about two or three years for me. Uh, just a guy that kind of does it on the side. So I want to give him a shout out for uh, kind of helping me get it started. And then uh, moved on to TNT. And um, they do a great job with the shirts. Everybody loves them. And uh, always interested. Everybody's interested in the different colors and everything. So uh, there you have it. So this year, of course, the, the color of the shirt is maroon. Uh, I've done a lot of black here recently, so I want to change it up a little bit. So we're going with maroon, yellow, and white for the colors this year. No, it's not the Redskins. It's actually, I based it exactly off of the colors that Arizona State University has. So they're actually the exact colors that they use on that. So if you want a Race 8 shirt, go to Race 8 on Facebook and uh, let me know what you want. And you can help support Race 8 and racing in general. All right, Hawk Harold Adams, thank you so much for being here today. This was a great interview. It gives people uh, that don't know you a little insight on what your organization does and how Race 8 started and whatnot. Uh, any final thoughts, what you want to say to all the fans out there and all your supporters of Race 8? Yeah, um, you know, I really appreciate all the great sponsors. I've had some sponsors that's been with Race 8 through the years. Uh, one of them, of course, Moby Dick. Uh Tommy Dealey uh, passing away over the off season. Uh, he always called him the Moby Dick, and of course his uh, boy races out there. Uh, Chad Dealey at the Sports Drum and the Sportsman Division, uh, and uh, he said uh, at I was over at the uh, funeral home, and they was like, "Hey, we still want to get on the shirt, even though my dad's passed away. We want to keep that tradition going." I was like, "Sure, that'd be awesome." So. You know, got them on there. I even put a little tribute in memory of Tom Dealey on the back of the shirt. So that's on there, too, just to honor him a little bit. And uh, so it was really great. And so, yeah, it, uh, you know, we're going to keep the race eight thing going as long as we can and as long as I can do it. And uh, just just kind of like we do every year, just kind of see where it takes us. And whatever opportunities are there, we'll go with it. And uh, appreciate each and every one of the uh, people. There's a lot of people that buy the shirts each and every year they look forward to it and uh, they've got one of every year and uh, they they're kind of excited about that so you know it just adds to the flair of the uh, racing community if you will you know we're all one big community one big family 
and uh, we sp- like to support each each other and what we do, and uh, just try to uh, keep racing going. You know, short track racing is a, a a thing that's not as popular as it used to be, and so we're doing our part to try to keep it going and try to get new fans and uh, keep the old fans as well. Well, I think I speak for everyone listening today. We appreciate it. Uh, we thank you for coming on today, and definitely we'll see you and the Race 8 shirt at the racetrack somewhere. All right, I appreciate it being here. Uh, it's been an honor, and I'll be uh, interested in hearing your show each and every week, Will. And that was Hawk Harold Adams. Always great to talk to him and listen to the stories he has. So thank him for being on for today's show. And, man, that's awesome to hear all of that great stuff he's got coming up. But, race fans, let's talk about the upcoming schedule for April 2nd and 3rd in the area. And this is not all of them, of course, just some notables. Florence Speedway in Walt, Kentucky now coming back to life. $5,000 to win for late models this week. Super late models, that is. Also, modified sport mods and Hornets. Love going up there to Florence. The North-South 100 went up there a couple of years ago for the first time, and that is one great track. So go up at Walt, Kentucky, visit Florence Speedway. Also, April 2nd, opening points night at the Brownstown Speedway. The Pro Late Models, Super Stocks, Pure Stocks, Hornets, and Crown Vicks will open up their night of April 2nd. Of course, Mother Nature not on their side the last couple weeks. Scheduled to have the Lucas Oil Late Model Dirt Car Series and their Sprint Cars. Uh, But unfortunately, Mother Nature played a row in that. If you're looking for some asphalt racing, Anderson Speedway, also up in Anderson, Indiana, opening up. Uh, the McGungill Engine Performance Late Models, Thunder Cars, Markham Welding Front Wheel Drives, Vintage Wrench Ford Division, new sponsor up there, and Thunder Roadsters will be on hand up there. Going back to dirt, opening night, the Lawrenceburg Speedway. Racing will feature the USAC Sprint Cars, the Koi Auto Parts Modifieds, Bessler's U-Pull, and Save Hornets. So three great divisions opening up their big opener this weekend. Also, coming up as well, Sports Drum Speedway has a huge regular program this Saturday night. Going to night race ICA Dumpster Sportsman's Kentucky Anna Tank Wash Modified Figure 8 and the Affordable Fords on the Oval and 8. Four great divisions racing at Sports Drum this Saturday night. And then, of course, here we are at my new home track, Salem Speedway. What a huge weekend to open up it is the spring fling and wow what a show this is going to be here on the over half mile the quarter mile and figure eight course as you will see a lot of racing saturday and sunday of course the mr heating and air crown vix on the small track and figure eight powder puff for the fords pro front wheel drive figure eight and pro oval on the small track scrappers how about that bringing the scrappers on board here this is going to be a very fun year to see, and uh, this weekend's going to all start it off with a bang. Now, April 3rd, Sunday, huge day. The Open Wheel Modifieds return here at Salem Speedway. And, of course, we're excited about this when The Lucas Oil Great American Stock Cars 100 Lapper, the MR Heating and Air Crown Vicks on the big track, which is such a big story. I was here at the Halloween 200 last year. First time seeing the Crown Vicks on the big track, and I will say it provided some epic racing, and that was one race I will never forget. So I'm very excited to call that action this weekend. 
with Mr. Don Rattenberg. But, uh, man, it's so cool uh, to be out here. And it's going to be very cool because we're going to be on Dirt 2 Media. Give them a shout-out, of course, the platform of the Wild Will Throwdown. So th- th- if you can't make it to the track, Dirt 2 Media will be here as well. Also at Brownstown Speedway as well, on any track that they have, they will be broadcasting. So that's pretty cool as well. Going back to a little bit of dirt, the World of Outlaws Case Construction Late Models are headed to Fairbury this Friday and Saturday for a $20,000 win show, the Illini 100. Such a huge race up there. Never made it to that track. Always wanted to go, and it's on my bucket list for sure. Also, Lawton Speedway, home of Fort Sill, Oklahoma. is down there a few times, actually. Lawton Speedway. It's going to be where the World of Outlaw NOS Energy Drink Sprint Cars are going to be this weekend. April 2nd, they're going to turn around and go down to Texas for the Duramax Striding Texas Outlaw Nationals at the Devil Bow Speedway down in Texas. So always a cool thing to see down there. Um, also, Shady Bow has the big CRA and Vores event this weekend as well. So there's no short action of short track racing this weekend. A lot of tracks are having their huge openers, so make sure you check it out. And of course, and a lot of people know I started out in figure eight racing and outlaw figure eight racing. So what a huge night. It is shaping up to be up at the Speedrome up in Indianapolis. And man, this is going to be a big one. Opening night, it's the late model World Figure 8 Tour Wayne Arnold Memorial 75 lap figure 8 event. Factory front wheel drives, junior fast carts, and legends. Ton of outlaw cars going to be up there for that one for the late model figure 8 division. A lot of people really chasing that points uh, this year for the World Figure 8 Tour. You have Ronnie Basham. Talk to him at Sportstrom Speedway Sunday. He has a fast car. He's ready to go. Eddie Van Meter in the 23. Always Always a threat. You have the Nortons. You also have the Tunnies. How can you leave the Tunnies out? There's Ben Tunney, Mark Tunney, Jesse Tunney, Austin Tunney. So uh, be on the lookout. Mike Riddle, the Riddler, had a stellar 2021. Uh, So watch out. That's going to be great this weekend as well. Like I said, guys, this weekend you cannot find... A track that's probably not open. I mean, a lot of tracks are opening this weekend. Hope Mother Nature gives us a break. Right now, it's looking like middle 50s here in the Midwest kind of area where we're looking at. But as long as we have no rain and above that 50 mark, we're looking good. So once again, guys, hope everyone has enjoyed this podcast. Thank you uh, again, Harold Adams, for being here today with us, the guru behind the Race 8 program. This, this is all about short track racing in our area, and we hope you guys are enjoying it. Tell your friends. Tell your family. Share us on Facebook. Make sure you like the Wild Wheel Throwdown page. We're doing it for the love of the sport. And, of course, as the announcement came out, we will be releasing the Wild Wheel Throwdown T-shirt. So I'm very excited about that. Uh, once we get all that information and give you the link, man, just supporting our podcast. We're so excited to be here and just kind of seeing everybody in the stands again is just a great feeling. So that's going to wrap it up here on episode two for me this week on the Wild Will Throwdown. Remember, race fans, always, always, always support your local short track. And thank you, everyone. And I'll see you around the turn. <laughs>